Rick Madison here with Ralph Livingston, dear friend. And uh, we, we chat about many things, but the one thing I wanted to bring up very early is we had an epic mandate. Like we, we went out in side-by-sides, we went into the, into the mountains and we ripped around and uh, we, we just seemed to have, you know, a gaggle of, of fellas and we were having a lot of time. Is it important, you think, for, for males to just get that, that bonding and that male bonding? Is that important, you think? I can't, uh, I can't emphasize how important it is. And it's something that uh, men are going to do anyway. Uh, you have sports. And uh, one of my more skeptical uh, descriptions of, of sports is it's just an excuse to get sweaty so you have to drink beer. But... Uh, in my lifetime, in my experience, uh, men enjoy each other's company and doing outdoor activities. And it was as outdoor an activity as I've had for a long time, going uphill really fast. Um, testosterone and gasoline go together really well. As a uh, former vice president of the Junior Woodchucks Dirt Bike Club... <laughs> Was I that got, you? That was me. I actually wrote the poem about the, the creed for the for the woodchucks, not to brag too much on the air. But what I'm trying to say is we came together as a bunch of guys riding dirt bikes in this beautiful, gorgeous world we live in here in Kelowna and around here. And what I quickly realized there was uh, was something fathers and sons could do together, and they're both 15. The kid's mm-hmm. 15, and dad's 15 again. And then ripping up the hills and going on the trails. And there's a physical challenge of getting up something and then getting down. Men f- tend to forget you got to come back down. <laughs> oh, really? And then crash, bang, <laughs> smash. Um, we had a few injuries in our, in our days, but not too, not too much, uh, but a ton of fun, uh, good, clean, outdoor fun. And we live. Uh, Unless you've done something like mountain biking or even skiing will give you a feel for uh, the thrill of going down uh, our landscapes. But around Kelowna, the opportunities uh, for excitement and adventure are just unsurpassed. It's it's interesting. I had a, a friend who I saw at a wedding and he said, he's from Nova Scotia. And he says, you know, what's interesting is Nova Scotia has some beautiful, beautiful places. But he says... BC is like nature on steroids. He said it is just unbelievable. And everywhere you turn, it just gets better. But do you think men act differently when, you know, when our spouses, girlfriends, what have you, are are not there? Like, you know, we, we were, I don't know, we're getting dirty and we're up in the mountains and, and uh, you know, it just seemed to be a, a gaggle of good good times. But I'm just wondering, do, did you act differently did I act differently? Was was there any, I don't know. Do we act differently? I think um, we are affected by our partners and they tend to, I think it's only uh, fair to say, rein us in. And I'm not going to use the word control us, but they they will give you the side eye, right? <laughs> and that doesn't exist when men get together. If you want to be goofy... Fill your boots. And yep. and uh, the other thing that we have to talk about, which occurred in this mandate, when you said mandate, I'm thinking vaccine mandates. This is, <laughs> mandate has two meanings. Uh, There's on, man flowers too. They come in 12 and 24. Yeah. 
And, and the other line, which I have to share with your listeners, which I've never heard before, and it is a radio uh, platform we're on here, listening to ACDC gives you 5% more power <laughs> on, the, uh, on the machine you're on. Uh, men act and behave much more childishly without... Uh, the filters come off a certain extent, but we also have real manly problems to solve and it happened to us we didn't mm -hmm. know going in we would have a flat tire yeah and that was actually uh one of the things <laughs> one of the things that uh, became the thing we talked about which was an issue which, and i find it interesting that no matter what trip i'm ever on the one thing that goes wrong is the one thing that becomes the biggest memory. The, the one thing you had to overcome is the thing that people share with each other. And at the time, you're like, oh, this is the worst. But then you get back and you're like, you remember when we got over that? And it was a it was a big deal. We didn't have another flat tire. We didn't have another men. tire. Because we're men. Like, who, who would bring anything but just supplies and without the tires? But no, it was it was a fabulous day, and I uh, we'll talk more about that because we're uh, we're talking about some good things today. Okay, so we we try to stay Uber focused on local here, but this is you know it's kind of water cooler talk. One could say um, the Ottawa mayor says city won't be intimidated as police brace for Canada Day protests. Is this you know, we live in a country where you can protest, where you can actually gather and and speak a voice. Is that, how does that resonate with you? Is that, have you ever been part of a protest? Have you ever decided to march on something or obviously sign a petition or any of those things? I, I wouldn't be totally honest if I said no, because I was, uh, I remember going to the Amchitka protests at the border back in the day. Um, this is like, close to 50 years ago and we protested mightily and then hit the bars in in blame so uh, i have been to protests i've also witnessed uh, a major protest on parliament hill where the gun uh, lobby people were protesting liberal gun laws and they came in by the busload and there was approximately five to ten thousand men show up on parliament hill and i witnessed this i went i was right there when it happened and I watched the buses come up and get off orderly, and it was incredibly organized and uh, respectful. It comes down to one word, which is respect. Mm -hmm. uh, Well-organized, respectful protest of the government. And it was almost like charming in an in old Canadian sense. They all came in. They, I don't know if they thought they were going to have an effect or not. I don't think they would have come if they didn't at least express their uh, displeasure displeasure with, with uh, stuff that was going on inside the building, which was legislating uh, their lives, and they didn't like that. And then they all got back on their buses and went home. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was charming to watch. And uh, I've been to Ottawa on a few occasions. I know uh, the drill and uh, what goes on on uh, the hill on July 1. It's a celebration of Canada. It's, we're not as, as um, gung-ho, perhaps, as our neighbors to the south a few, three days later. But we still have our, our country to celebrate. And they do a good job down there. They've got it well, you know, it's well presented and it looks good. So if people want to protest. Um, is, is that the day, though? Is that the day to protest? I'm not thinking it is. And but the thing is they know that, so they're they're working it, right? Right. And 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 I think the the word would be as uh bring as much chaos as you can to uh you know, an 
a bigger gathering, which gives you the leverage just from the standpoint of there's already people there. So now more people will hear the message just because they're affected by those other people and showing signs and shouting and, and all those things that come on. I was at the uh, Armistice celebration uh, um, November 11th in City Park, and I wasn't sure if there even was one because of COVID, and it turns out there wasn't an official presentation, as there has been every year since uh, I've lived in Kelowna. We always go down there. This year, there was about 2,000 people gathered, and it was an informal uh, Armistice Day, November 11th, Remembrance Day. Which, uh, which had more weight in, in my estimation, yeah. when, you, when you show up by your own volition, there's no event planned, but you show up anyway out of respect. That, that actually has I, – I went to the, um, uh, the Legion and, and celebrated there. Mm-hmm. Not celebrated, but paid uh, homage. So we're all standing around, and there was uh, – somebody played taps, and it was wonderful. And then there was a group of people that hijacked the event, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it was going on. I thought it was a, a, a bit strange, some of the – sort of presentations that were were there and the crowd got it instantly it's, it's funny how the crowd it, it was like a there was a, a jolt of electricity went through the crowd and they protested the protesters instantly and started yelling them down mm-hmm. and walking away because their event had been hijacked and um it all comes down to medium manipulation and if, if they know you said it uh if there's going to be a crowd uh you know they can take advantage of that and you know it's a modern phenomenon are there going to be tv cameras there yes well we'll get in front of them and and it's interesting during my son's grad walk which is a tradition where they get all dressed up and they you know they walk from i think the sales it was raining that day to back to the laurel building <clears throat> and what was interesting was I was not there during the walk back, but another group walked in, in in between the grads to get again more attention paid to their their issues. And again, and you know what? That's probably where I draw the line, which is these kids are are, are literally celebrating a day, uh, graduation, and they're all, you know, all gussied up and everything else. And then this group decides, you know, this is a great stage for them, a platform. And and that's when I think, you know what, if you have an issue and you're well-structured and, and you have a want to have a voice, I, I think that's okay. And I think everyone should have a right to protest or, or speak to whatever issue. But when you start, I don't know, it, it, it taints it. it. Anything that comes out of your mouth or on your sign or anything else in that venue is already down the road for me. I, I can't even give it any kind of weight because for me, you've done it incorrectly, which means you haven't actually thought about the lingering effects of, of such a, a voice. Anyway, we'll, we'll chat some more about this. Is, this is a fun one. So uh, you were downtown, Mr. Ralph, and you saw a movie being shot at the same time <laughs> <laughs> Meet Me on Bernard, which is a wonderful event where they shut down Bernard. And and again, this has got uh, wonderful feedback from uh, a bunch of people. Now, of course, it's a change and people lose some parking and more traffic and all that kind of stuff. But the timing could not be worse for a movie. <laughs> well, it's um, Lawrence Avenue is blocked off by movie trucks. And, and I always find it interesting when they come to town. I, I look at it as green money, like um you oh know, the best money bringing in yeah yeah bringing yeah. It on. yeah yeah 
and they have to buy meals and they have to spend money in our little town. And uh, we used to want to have economic development here, and now it seems to be... <laughs> It's a little much, but uh, when you throw in the Bernard Avenue closures and Lawrence Avenue closures, all I got to do is uh, suggest that if you're planning to go downtown, know where you're going to park ahead of time. I wasn't prepared for it, and I was uh, doing a lot of U-turns. Now, as someone who also rides motorcycles, I have to speak to the fact that zipping around on a on a motorcycle these days um, is absolutely one of the best things for me again this is just for me I speak from from my anecdotal self is uh parking um, being able to use the hov lane um, being able to uh, save on gas I mean there's a lot of benefits I drive a red motorcycle which would make you proud because you like the high vis um, and and to me it, it just means that I get to have fun from point A to point B. You know, I'm out in the open air, and as long as I don't have to sit in traffic too long, I don't, you know, absolutely melt in the uh, Okanagan heat. But but I do think it's interesting, the, the timing of a, a movie, a Harlequin, and I remember being in a movie. I mean, I was the, the background, my son and I, and we were shooting this um, Harlequin Christmas movie with winter coats on, and it was July, and it was 35 degrees out. Like It's the same movie uh, being made today on Lawrence. <laughs> They're putting snow down, and uh, it's, a Christmas, it's a Christmas film. But uh, uh, I found the crew really candid. And sometimes these guys are very close-mouthed, but the, the fellow, I just said, what's going on? It's a movie. He said, yeah. I said, I guess I can't ask it. He says, no, no, you can ask me. <laughs> yeah. So he was bored. He wanted to talk to somebody. And... Uh, it's going on. It uh, it creates work for people in Kelowna, and, and also people in the arts that uh, are actors and, and and want to have a career in that film yeah. field. So, well, I would say that there would be, um, and I don't know this, but I know that we have have generally tried to be very aggressive in attracting these films because between catering and the rentals and the trucks, and I know a fellow's house got rented and it was. I think $2,500 a day mm-hmm. to be uh, the stage. So th- th- there is a ripple effect. And you're right. It's just green. I- everything is just money, money, money. And uh, yeah, good thing we live in such a place where they want to shoot movies. Because you, my friend, could be the next. I was hoping to be discovered. It didn't happen. <laughs> it uh, Well, hope springs the turtle. Lawrence <laughs> Avenue, if you want to be seen in a movie, it's going on there. I don't. I, uh, it's so fun. So there's a little bit of a hangover from the pandemic, and that is if you have an allergy, like I do, for pollen, and you're a little stuffed up and you blow your nose, man, do you get a lot of attention. Mm, or cough. Or, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. And, and and if you get, you know, if I get too clogged up, I have to cough, but I'm sitting there. And, and it's almost against the law to cough in public now or or blow your nose or anything else because that, that does suggest a lot. So it's it's just interesting because there's so much pollen in the air. And I know people that suffer. I finally gave in and, and did take an allergy like a reactant or whatever the other one is. No, reactant. Yeah. Do you suffer from allergies? No, I have no problem that way. It's one of the things I'm very uh, grateful for. But I have a friend years and years ago suffered like you're just describing. He went to his doctor and his doctor said, drop your pants. And he jabbed him in the butt with a needle. And that was the end of his allergies that season. What? Uh, one shot. Boom. Come on. True fact. 
Uh, now, my there other doctor- any microchips in that? I don't know. It's probably Bill Gates had something to do with it. My other doctor buddy uh, would describe this as being dangerously anecdotal. Uh, but it did happen for one of my friends. So maybe it's something you should talk to your physician about. Well, the, the, the thing is, I'm lucky that I don't suffer from them very often. And, and But this summer, for whatever reason, maybe it's because the cold, wet summer or spring, and then boom, you have instant summer months. Maybe that's part of it. But I actually try not to touch any anything, like uh, Tylenol or anything else. I just suffer in silence. Well, not in silence. As you know, I'll speak to it. <laughs> but I, I do think there's something, if if I could get a shot and, and not go through the, I'd probably take a shot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you, but I get the Apple News notification over my phone, and I was getting ready to work out, I think on, I want to say Saturday or Sunday. I had to put in that workout part just because people don't believe it. Anyway, um, up pops this uh, Roe versus Wade Supreme Court ruling overturned, and uh, I have to say I was... my heart dropped because I just knew the the divisiveness of, of such an issue where it literally, it divides families, it divides, you know, states, it divides, you know, there's just so much volatility with this issue. And and I know, you know, I've, I've, I've asked a few wonderful women in my life what it means for them and, and how does this resonate with them. But did you, do you have the same reaction, which was, it initially just made me sad. Yeah, I was shocked when I, when I saw it. I didn't, uh, I mean, there was a leak that occurred a few weeks prior, but I didn't think it was going to happen, and I was I was stunned, actually. Um, and, it you know, the ripple effects are out across uh, continent-wide, worldwide, really. And uh, it's, it, I can only say what you said, Rick, is it's enormously divisive. And, uh, um, I'm not going to certainly solve it, but I was uh, I was uh, shocked. <laughs> I've never seen Ralph actually sit here. You, you, my friend, are very well read. You have tons of life experience, but this this issue is just really. I mean, it, it really is a lightning rod for a number of things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it speaks to the divisiveness of, of of the world. And we talked a bit about this prior, but uh, I see people falling into camps. And if there is a wedge issue, this is one. This is the wedge issue that um, certain people can very cleverly manipulate. Oh no, I've I've heard uh, various people articulate a point on both sides of it very well, and. And if you have any kind of historical relevance and and provide examples and and that kind of thing, they, it it just seems like people have been, I don't know, it, and and you're either on one side or the other, uh, females' choice or every life, and and man, oh man, like it, it came up at uh, I was at a friend's house, and uh, and it it came up as a you know it's one of those bigger than life issues right now. <laughs> I think they actually had to do a disclosure statement. They said, okay, I'm going to speak about something, but before I do, just understand I'm open. 
I'm just expressing an opinion. And they had to say that before they weighed in, which I found interesting just because I've, you know, at this house, anything goes. And, and this is such, this, this issue is going to create, we think the Canada Day protest is going to do anything. This, this is bigger than all of those put together. And it's not going to go away. I remember reading years ago uh, um, an opinion expressed by somebody who was in the opinion business, and it wouldn't be very popular. But he said, "This is the issue of the of the 21st century. This is our slavery, and it's not going away." Um, so the jury is out, and um, you know the strong feelings aren't going to be. We're not going to be able to hug and make up on this one. No, but you had a good point about an evolved species. Do you want to share that? Oh, yes. I I, I came across something oddly when I found out I had to come here today. I um, I read, a, this is from a deep source, uh, something on Facebook. Margaret Mead was asked by one of her students what uh, when civilization began, and the anecdote goes like this: that she she didn't mention fish hooks or clay pots or gunpowder. She said that they'd found an evidence of some fossil remains where a person had had a broken femur, and it healed. And uh, I have a I spent a lot of time in the animal world with animals, and when in nature, when you have a broken leg, you die. Mm-hmm. You don't have a chance for it. Some occasionally coyotes or something will get by with on three legs. But generally, um, if you're a prey animal, you're done. And any kind of animal, you're done. They don't have hospitals to go to in the wild. But uh, Margaret Mead's observation was someone took pity on a person with a broken leg and gave them uh, care and nurturing for however long. It takes about six weeks for a bone to heal. That's a long time when someone can't fend for themselves. And it shows a compassion for our fellow man that I think that we could focus on that a little bit more than what's wrong with their fellow man. Um, it was a wonderful parable, if you will, about mm-hmm. uh, the, um, the caring and compassion that, that makes us humans, and, and which is the foundation of civilization. If we don't care for each other, we don't really have a civilization. One of the nice things about being in our position is we can sometimes bring up a subject and really know not a lot about it, but just through the efforts of of collaboration, we can probably come up with some some ideas surrounding it. They might be not well-founded, but their opinions. Um, ride Hailing Service launches in West Kelowna. You ride. Um, what, what do you think about, you know, I, I guess for the one thing, even having another service available for pickup. Do you think there's a ripple effect for a number of segments of society that we can, is it good, bad, better? What do you think? I'm going to come at it from a couple ways. One is first off, you have cab companies who have had to pay for licenses, buy cars, get them insured, make sure their drivers are trained, make sure they have a special license to drive the cab. I think it's a class four, which is different from your average driver's license. It's it's more rigorous. Uh, and they have to have the cars inspected and checked and insured and all these things. So they got a bunch of overhead to run a business of renting cars to people to get them to the airport. In the sense that they, they, they take people and drive them around in their cabs. And that's always been there. That's something that comes along. So I have some... Um, 
sympathy for the people that have gone to all that trouble to have a cab company. Now, uh, technology, and it all comes down to cell phones, it makes it possible for some guy with a cell phone to come and get you with his car and take you to the airport for half of, or, or whatever the, the rate is, I don't know, half of what it costs to take a, a, a cab. And it's disruptive. It's disruptive technology. I'm generally in favor of free markets. I think people should be able to do whatever they want, where they want, within the, the bounds of law and safety and, and these sorts of things. So I'm, I'm kind of caught in the middle on this one. Uh, I have a lot of um, empathy for the cab drivers who are trying to make a living and have invested and got the extra training, got the insurance, got the companies. The licensing used to be huge. It cost of a license just to drive a cab to the airport. And they're the dinosaurs in this scenario. And the little rodents running around are the um, the rideshare guys, whether they call themselves rideshare or Uber. Um, they just want a job too. Right? So, yeah, and, and, and the interesting thing for me is if, uh, let's say am I in Lower Mission or Dilworth or Glenmore or Rutland or wherever, and it's 1045 on a Saturday and I, we called, you know, to, to get a cab or anything else. It, it's, it's a wait because it feels like, and this is again, anecdotal. It feels like we don't have enough uh, licenses. Now, again, I know it's a flip side of this, which is, you know, with, with these rideshare companies coming in, does it make sense to actually invest in a license or expand your fleet or anything else? Current Taxi is another one that's that's actually been a, a disruptor and a very innovative one. I mean, Teslas and beautiful cars and, you know, just a wonderful ride experience. So, so it, it is interesting, but I, I do feel that if we can keep a few more vehicles off the road from people that have had too much, oh, I'm, I'm probably on board. Yeah. I, um, I get, I hate to put a plug on the air for a company. I can't remember the name of them, but I've used the service. Okay, you're horrible at plugging a company if you don't know the name. Okay, don't get it. I'm a bad guy to do that. But, but your uh, Safe Ride Home, I think, summarizes what they offer. I don't know if that's their name or not, but I've used them in the past. Uh, oh, and they drive the car home, they too. They drive your car yeah, home, yeah. so you don't have to fool around the next morning. And we always have these deep conversations about what exactly is the limit? Yeah. How many drinks mm -hmm. uh, can you have? And you factor in the fact that it's dark and there's people darting around on their bicycles. And and, and there's a big reason for, for getting them to drive your car. And, and with legalized marijuana and legalized other things, I mean, there's... There's a lot of people that are driving around that not completely with all their faculties either. So anyway, because it's the Rick and Friends show and I can do whatever I want and I usually do. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up is the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. And you know what? I know a lot of people are going, I wonder what they think about this. Well, here's what's happening. I think I anytime I see a Canadian, Kale McCarr, win the Conn Smythe, the Norris Trophy, and the Stanley Cup deserves immense praise. But also, I'm so excited for the Canadian hockey future. When you have people, a generational player, and yes, I'm going to call him a generational, the Sidney Crosby, the Connor McDavid, the Kale McCarr, I'm going to say that in the same sentence. And, and Nathan McKinnon is, you know, uh, an A- minus for sure. But I still think this is a just a, an immensely special time for Canadian hockey, and I couldn't be more excited about Olympic hockey. Because then 
I think we're going to just run through teams and Russia may or may not be there. So yeah. there's that. I, I think you're probably, you'd be surprised if Russia was there. Um, and this, the, I've never heard the term generational player, but it, it, it fits. And uh, it's very uh, encouraging. It's, it's a source of optimism for the future for Canadian hockey and, and the, the system that produces these young men. Uh, my take, and I'll get to say whatever I want, on <laughs> the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup was, uh, and hockey is making great strides in the States, there's no question about it, but there's another sport down there it's even more important to the American mind. NFL? It, it is called the American religion. It was NASCAR? A, n NFL. Oh, okay. Do you know, for example, last night, uh, the same guy won the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup within three or four months of each other? What? True fact. Come on. It's a, it's a thing. Uh, Stan, and I can never get his last name correctly. Uh, oh, the owner of the, the team. The owner of the team also owns the LA Rams. Did he? But in the different sport networks, uh, franchising, they won't allow you to own both. You've you got to make up your mind. Is it football or hockey? So really? He has the, the avalanche in his wife's name. <laughs> well, and, and, and I do think there's ways, and, and in that elite level of resources, there was a time when... Um, there was the moratorium on traveling anywhere, any kind of leisure travel. And I talked to a friend who has resources. We'll call them, okay, they're stinking rich. And uh, I said, hey, uh, you know, been anywhere? And I, and I thought I was actually going to be have the same travel plan that he did. And he says, oh, no, I'm you know, back and forth, California. And I said, how do you do that? And he says, oh, I have a essential services pass. And I said, really? And it's just... It's interesting to me that if you have uh, a different station in life, there is not a lot of limitations. And for this fellow, he went, he probably had his lawyer legal team go through it and go, oh, oh well, she can own it. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't think of that. Well, that's why I have really good lawyers. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that there's a side of that too, which is if you have the means you make it happen, mm -hmm. no matter what. And I I guess to the victor? Go to the spoils. Um, he's, it was described as a self-made billionaire, uh, and he also married well. Oh. So one of the Walmart heiresses. <laughs> so she's the one that owns the avalanche. Like, if someone's got to write the paychecks to pay these young guys, right? And uh, so it's, it's uh, I think it's Karanke or... Um, Stan Cranky. To bring it home to British Columbia, he also owns the Douglas Lake Ranch. Does he? And I've seen him there live in person many years ago. He was uh, he just bought the place, and uh, he's since then he's bought up several of the major ranches in, in the interior of British Columbia. Really? Yeah. Okay. And Douglas Lake Ranch is where? Um, it's immediately west of us. It's sixty miles uh, just out of Merritt, okay. and it's the largest privately owned ranch in canada uh deeded land they have half a million acres of deeded land and they have a bunch of leases and and he's added other ranches as he goes along so he's literally buying up the interior of british columbia you brought it home ralph there you are bringing it home and you wonder why you're on tight rotation <laughs> okay having having a bit of fun here with ralph livingston and uh i wanted 
to talk about somebody who's sitting here, looks an awful lot like you, uh, executive height, um, very elegant man, and uh, he said that there would not be flooding this year. Hey, I remember the comment, and I'm standing by it. I'm going to double down. Uh, my Having said that, I have a very dear friend who owns a major farm here in town, and most of it's underwater. But it's uh, it's not serious. <laughs> um, he gets flooded, uh, and the issue, and we brought up um, Sean Reimer, uh, lake levels, and Sean's not responsible for Mission Creek, and it's a really jurisdictionally fraught uh, subject. But to bring the flooding home to one little waterway, it needs dredging. Uh, all the old-timers will tell you they used to dredge the creek. with They'd go in there with their own cats and, and plow out the gravel when the, when the creek was low and make room for the water to come down. And uh, But by and large, uh, I saw a lot of water in the North, North Okanagan. Uh, there's flood alerts on the South Thompson and the Thompson. Um, it happens every spring. This year is not. Uh, when uh, I think it was 2017 where the, uh, you know, Pandozi was being flooded by Mill Creek, and, mm-hmm. and it was a serious mm-hmm. flood year. Uh, I also saw evidence of up in Canmore when they had that big flood that hit Calgary and people died. High River, yeah. High yeah. River uh, mm-hmm. got wiped out. Those are bad years. This is a, this is a, I'm, I'm not. Above average normal year, mm-hmm. could we say? Yeah, above average. What normal. was interesting though is I was on that, that top road, the Shoot Lake Road, going to Shoot Lake Lodge on bicycles, e-bikes. Well, little okay. bit, you know, and look down in that sandbar that pushes out into the lake is is extending because all of that sand and silt is coming down that river. So it it I imagine that sandbar is now going to be at least triple the size because from up top it looks like it's it it's actually grown about three times the size. Well, they have to dredge that because of the boats coming into the L, right? That, uh, right. Yeah, they, they, and they do, uh, when the lake's low, they do dredge it. And I know they move some of the sand over to Rotary Beach, for example, and they take it to other places. But, uh, um, you know, we could talk all afternoon about why that all that stuff's coming down and force practices upstream from there. Like if you go up and see the clear-cutting going on, it's not holding the water back. I mean, Oh, the, I see. Yeah. So it's complicated and... They do the logging because uh, your friend, who I just just met, was a, um, a professional engineer and works in the forest industry. He says, you know, you've got to manage these forests. Mm-hmm. They're giant gardens, and they need to be gardened. Right. So, uh, but other people will say, well, there's too much clear cutting going on. That's why the the color of Mission Creek is what it is, rather than see some of the rivers coming down. We just did a trip to Edmonton, and they're beautiful, clean water coming off off of the mountains. Because the forests are intact and they hold the water back, and it's not like a big washed grave. Because yeah, they're there, but isn't there some sort of overseer for what areas you can, you know? Oh yeah, harvest it's called and- the Forest Service, and and uh, they are on it. Uh, if you go up and watch, wherever there's a waterway, they they leave a um, a space of, of native trees around that waterway to keep keep this from going on but the some of the clear cutting is so enormous that they can't stop it like it's just uh, mm. people have to go up and have a look well that's key exploratory and why i know a guy that has side by sides <laughs> i i'm asking this of a lot of my guests 
top three for the municipal election priorities. For for, you know, for leaders to be using in their platform speeches, uh, I just read uh, Ryan Don is is not running. Um, another fellow, James K, uh, is is running. He's got a developer background, which I do find when I've when I've been to council meetings, it's actually important to have a little bit of planning background in order to know how this this fine growing city is going to be growing in a way that's, that's uh, sustainable and, and, and obviously going to be uh, around for years to come and make everybody enjoy it and all the amenities and all that kind of stuff. But where, where do you sit? What's top three for you? Three is a lot to ask for. I can certainly tell you what number one is, and they have to do something about transportation in this city. Okay. Transportation. Nothing nothing has really changed other than the HOV lane on, on the highway since I've moved here in 1977. Um, but the congestion of traffic is, is getting terrible. And, uh, everyone I talk to, you know, the, the new high rises at, at Hiawatha, the 46 story vertical campus of UBCO planned for the, uh, where the courier building used to be. Um, we need some infrastructure change in how mm. we move people around. Would you accept a one-time tax increase? To build that infrastructure? I don't think that would cover it. It would begin to even come close to covering it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's never going away. and uh, More people move here. Every apartment that they build is two more cars. And they talk about the bicycles and the buses. And that's, it's not a, it's not a, uh, a realistic response. No. And, and the thing is, is we have November through March. Yeah. Here we're in Canada, and and so we have snow on the ground, and and certain things are not palatable if you're going to be riding around on a bicycle. Okay, what do you got for number two, Ralph? Um, as a uh, sorry, as a uh, senior in this community, and seniors are always concerned about this. Uh, the mill rate and the with the dramatic raise in the assessed value of houses, taxes have gone up mm. and I've just complained about uh, not having the infrastructure to move cars. We're going to spend money on that. So where is it going to come from? Tax increases? Um, I guess and we have, if we are going to live here, we have to pay for it. But, um, um, so are you, are you worried about your tax taxes yes, going up? Okay. I am, uh, no, personally, uh, I'm willing to pay more taxes to get a, a better uh, transportation grid in this town or any transportation grid in this town. There was a plan to build something through the center of the city, and they've kind of gone, just left it on the shelf. I, was I, that the moats? No. no. <laughs> the moats are, that was when we were trying to emulate Venice, uh, which goes back to the flooding remarks, which ties everything together. If we get And, and then we get a Uber gondolas. <laughs> So uh, there, you've got it all. Um, uh, it's a tough one because someone's going to have to pay. And this is a community of, uh, I don't think it's any, you don't need to be a genius to figure out the the demographics in this town are seniors. There's a lot of people that move here to retire. They're not going to ride bicycles. They can't ride bicycles. And they certainly can't ride them in the wintertime. And they are also, many of them, on fixed income. So they're going like, where is this all going to come from? Now, certain you can pass it on to the provincial government or to the federal government. I always recommend the city council from Kelowna go to Kamloops and drive around there and have a look and see what they've done. They got a lot of federal help to build that bypass. Mm. 
But you but can, because of representation, though. Well, also because of Highway 1 runs through the city. Yeah. Uh, the Trans-Canada Highway used to go down Columbia Avenue, and people got killed regularly by runaway trucks. And they got out of hand, and they built they, – they solved it through engineering. They engineered out the hazard, and they put a freeway uh, across the north side of the city. You can go from one end of Kamloops to the other in 10 minutes at 90 kilometers an hour. No red lights. Really? Okay, well – okay, Ralph is just blowing me away with historical significance right here. Okay, so Ralph, you're saying is that the Kamloops has done better, uh, probably a little bit of representation, but also, number one, running right through Kamloops. Yeah, I think they got a lot of federal help to do what they've done with their roads, but they also have three bridges. They have water problems and issues in transportation. They've got three bridges. We have one. Um, they've looked at and moving cars around, and they have an attitude of let's get her done and it's a working town and we, we need to get to work fast here. Mm-hmm. And we need the trucks to go through our town without slowing down everything. And, and there used to be truckers, they used to work in the trucking industry and truckers would tell me that there was 35 red lights between Winfield and um, West Bank. And there's probably, at least, I would say that number's doubled now. So these oh. trucks are stopping, stopping, stopping and, and working through the 18 gears as they go up the highway. I'm not saying we need a West Side Road bypass but uh, or could afford to build one, but I, I think we have to take a really serious look at what we can do to improve traffic flow in this town. But we do have seem to have a problem making ring roads even, or even any kind of outlets out of the upper mission. Like, I mean, it just seems to me from just a standpoint anecdotally, and I know there's lots of fingers in the pie. I, I do get that. But it just seems like, like I've walked by that particular road, I'm going to say at least a half a dozen times, I don't see a lot of activity on most days. And I, I could be going at the wrong times. Okay. Um, if you're talking about speed of construction, mm-hmm. I want to share this with your listeners. I come from a town called Dawson Creek, mile zero of the Alaska Highway. The American Army came in, U.S. Corps of Army Engineers came in on March 9th, 1942, Dawson Creek. The reason it was Dawson Creek was the railway ended there. There was nowhere they could get beyond Dawson Creek. They had to start there, so they called it Mile Zero. The, the highway is 1,500 miles to Fairbanks, Alaska, across mountain ranges, over rivers, through Muskeg, the toughest conditions imaginable. They started on March 9th. They completed it in November the same year. Think about that. 1,500 miles of nothing to having a highway. It wasn't much of a highway, but you could drive a Willie's Jeep from Dawson Creek to Fairbanks in nine months. So... Where there's a will, there's a way. And they were the same guys, by the way, that had planned. Old people from Kelowna will tell you this, uh, old Kelowna hands. If the war had gone on just one more year, we would have got the highway up the west side. They had it planned. Really? To make things move fast. Skip the valley, just go left and, and go right up and come out in Vernon. Right? It didn't happen. The war ended too soon. We never got the west side bypass. But... Um, the money involved in, in building these major infrastructures uh, is is staggering. And I just don't think that the current administration of the city, either the staff or the elected people, want to address this problem. Um, I was just in Edmonton driving around, and I commented to my family, like, is it a holiday or why isn't there traffic con- congestion? Uh, it's because I used to be in Kelowna traffic. 
in Edmonton, they've got freeways, they've got ring roads, they've got the hand day. Everybody mm. goes out on the hand day and they travel at 110 kilometers an hour and they duck in and they dive out and they get around fast. And uh, it's in Alberta way. It's the land of cars. And they make the gasoline right there. I also want to draw attention to the fact that we had several roads wash out not so long ago on a little Coquihalla. And uh, the, the welders and the construction, the people that were building pipelines said, wait a second, this is priority one. There was a, there was a check written, an open check saying, get it done. We need this. And uh, what I was just amazed at was just the progress. Every single day, it looked like they were knocking stuff down and just all hands on deck by very specialized skill set. And, and they were able, to, and when you're building a pipeline, I've been told, you know, there's, there's not exactly an easy grid for that. You know, just, it's not Lego pieces. You don't just connect it and just let it go. It has to be bulletproof when it comes to building it, welding it, making sure it's it's structurally sound. Now you're building a road. Well, I think that that's literally taking a genius and having him just paint your fence, you know, Picasso. So I I was amazed by that, the ingenuity and and the speed of construction. I have uh I can second your emotion. I drove the uh, Yellowhead up to Jasper. So we we followed the, the pipeline from uh, Kamloops North and at one point I was uh, bugging a um, young man who was working there and I asked him a few questions he said we're not allowed to speak to the public <laughs> which oh. which is a a good corporate move I mean you have to ha but I kept asking my wife I said who's in charge of this thing there's got to be one person mm -hmm. who runs this enormously complicated show and and it's measured in billions of dollars. And the one bit of information I did glean from the young man was that there's about a thousand employees doing what you just described, building this engineering marvel. And they're just giving her, like they're just building it as fast as they can. I guess they've got winter ahead of them. Get out of the way. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Tra Trans Mountain, is that what you were mm -hmm. seeing? Yep. So a friend of mine who is in the pipeline business talked to some people on, on the crew and said that uh, there's actually no, he's as long as that liberal government is in power federally, and not a drop of oil will ever run through that pipeline. His words. Very interesting because they own it. The liberal government bought it yeah. for four and a half billion. It's costing, I think I've heard estimates as high as double that number. Double that, the amount, and it was supposed to be done at least a year ago. Yeah. So there's uh, some talk of pageantry uh, in regards to construction of it to make it, you know, appear like all is well and we're going to build this thing and the oil will come and everything else. But the the word, the word, inside word, and, and I love spreading rumors, uh, but this fellow is deep in the pipeline industry. He says that not a drop will flow through. Well, that. that's a profound scandal. I, I, this is the first time hearing of this. And this is true. Uh, what we have is an enormous make-work project, uh, like you say, pageantry that everyone can see happening. But if they don't tend to ship oil on it. I know, right? I, it, it's Well, like they, they paid too much for it, yeah, for number one. Number one. Uh, number two is the ROI on that pipeline, if you don't get it going soon is actually less and less and less. So anyway, um, what does time mean to you? What is what is time? time? Okay, here's my definition of time. It's nature's way of making sure everything doesn't happen at once. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's an old <laughs> gag. But uh, how could you be this? I, I, I've coined a word uh, that 
affects at least me and other people I know. We are supposedly retired and have a lot of time on our hands. It, the word is hecticity. Things are hectic, and uh, how it gets this way, I don't know. But I did have one other comment to make on the whole energy piece and also the Kelowna, um, the congestion of traffic, which I'm obsessed with. Um, so I made a new best friend at Costco gas bar the other day, guy working there. I said to him, how many cars come through here a day? He said, I have no idea, but I can tell you this. I said, what's that? He said, you see that truck right there? And it's a West Can bulk transport come out of Edmonton mm-hmm. with gasoline. They're called B trains. There's a tanker with a tanker behind it. Yeah. Three to five a day. What? In Kelowna. Come on. In K-Town. Now, if that doesn't, if you take that statistic and think about it for a while, it tells you what makes our civilization work. It's gasoline, baby. The guys in, in Road Warrior were right. In the future, it will all be about gasoline. Okay, we don't, again, we don't have a lot of time, so we like to suck as much as we can from our good friend Ralph Livingston, who is uh, Queen's Plate, Train the horse that won the Queen's Plate. And also, largest pumpkin, two years running. Well, not two years running, two separate years in in Armstrong Fair. So the same guy. Um, What are you most looking forward to this summer? Uh, Seeing my grandson's birthday. He's turning four in August. And uh, we're all, he's down in Victoria, so we'll get to go down and see him and spend time with him and, and the whole congregated family. So. Very exciting times. So I don't don't have grandkids. Um, what is is it? Just because you get to go in, enjoy them, and then give them back? Is that the key? the The equation I came up with is that uh, Einstein said E equals M C squared. My equation is E usually equals E. Enjoyment equals effort, and uh, you enjoy your children. You know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of effort. That ratio is all out of whack when you're a grandparent. The enjoyment scale is way up here, and the effort is way down here. Because when they need their diapers changed, you hand them to their <laughs> mom or dad. Here, he needs changing. But uh, the the enjoyment is all out of whack to the effort, and uh, there is a certain joy you get with grandchildren you don't get anywhere else. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'd like to welcome my guest, uh, Ralph Livingston, who's on tight rotation. And it's because you are you actually have a view of, of the past, which helps us in the future, which I really think, you know, you're a gracious man, too, with spending the time. But uh, thank you again for having, having this time with us at Rick and Friends. And thanks for listening. Rick, it's always a pleasure. And I look forward to maybe coming back.